abiding in Christ, and we're looking at abiding in prayer uh, tonight. I know we spent uh, many uh, weeks on studies in prayer, but uh, we're going to just come back to it again uh, tonight because it fits into our study here in John 15. And uh, I wonder, what if you started every day with this prayer? Good morning, Lord. I present myself to you today as a living sacrifice. I'm here to serve you and obey your orders. What would you like me to do today? What if you started every day that way? Uh, what if this became your prayer? Every day you enlist, you re-enlisted into the service of the king. I wonder if we really thought about that type of, of prayer as we began the day, how different maybe our day would go. Now, I think we all know a lot about prayer. We talk a lot about it, but sometimes we just don't pray. And although we've spoken much about prayer, the need of every church, every preacher, every family is not another seminar on prayer, not more books on prayer, not, a, not some prayer stationary or a promise to pray. What we need to do is pray. And prayer is how we lay hold of the blessings and the power of God. Now, throughout the scriptures, God indicates his desire for us to continue with him in prayer. And God shows us his willingness to help us when we have needs or when we have problems. I wonder, does our, li does our lives uh, closely resemble crisis management or a prayer dependence? You know what I mean by crisis management? When there's a crisis... We say, oh dear Lord, help me, i got to get through this. And then we don't really communicate with God until the next crisis. Or is it prayer-dependent mentality every day? I need you, Lord, today. And I want to make my life uh, count for you. Now, I think it's been my experience that many Christians are good at praying Maybe even when others are around. Some people don't like to pray when others are around. Uh, but some, many Christians are good at praying when others are around, but they don't have a personal, private, quiet time like we just sang about. Uh, the praying for a meal. Now that's easy. You know, have our little, uh, God is good, God is great, thank you for this food, amen, you know, type of thing. Uh, we learned a little prayer when we were, Small and sometimes that prayer kind of just gets a little fancier, but it's basically the same thing. Um, and it seems to be effortless, but personal, private prayer in an abiding relationship sometimes is more difficult. Yet, if you and I intend to truly have an abiding relationship with the Lord, we need to abide with Him in prayer. And we need to learn to spend time with him, praising him, pleading with him, and interceding uh, to him on the behalf of others. So tonight we are looking at how we can abide in Christ through personal prayer. First of all, the preparation for prayer. The preparation. Now, 
Again, the Bible has a great deal to say about prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.1 teaches us to pray uh, without ceasing. Did I get the... Uh, that doesn't sound right. Let me double-check my reference. Uh, Jim's not here tonight to correct my references. So First uh, Thessalonians 5.1. No, it's not 5.1. It's 5... Uh, it's uh, 17. Here we go. 517. Somehow the 7 didn't get in there. But uh, it says there, pray without ceasing. James 516, though, reminds us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then James also says in James 4.2, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Uh, Psalm 34, 7, David reminds us, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Uh, God wants us to abide in prayer. He wants us to be able to bear fruit, uh, the fruit of answered prayer in our lives. Now, how can we abide more effectively in prayer? Well, again, uh, Jesus answers this question throughout the Scriptures, and he tells us really step by step, how we can maintain an abiding relationship with him through prayer. And I think uh, there are several prerequisites in our preparation for prayer. Uh, by the way, it's always important to uh, check the uh, instruction manual. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't need that. I don't need the, the directions. I, don't need, I, can, I can handle this on my own. And sometimes we even do that. Spiritually speaking, we say, I don't need the instructions. I can handle this on my own. Uh, and so many times we just try to wing it, and we end up with our lives in a mess. So first of all, praise the Lord. That's the first uh, uh, step here. Uh, and I, I think that would be uh, something that you know, we learned when we were studying the, uh, the prayer the, uh, of instruction by the Lord that he taught his disciples how to pray. Um, he taught them, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's, a, that's a, ter a terminology of praise. And it's not just something to repeat over and over, but it's a pattern, as we've, we already have studied that, uh, phrase by phrase. And if our hearts are going to be prepared for prayer, we need to understand the holiness and power of God. Uh, we need to come to him with sincere praise and honor. Uh, have... Think about Paul and Silas in Acts uh, 16. Uh, there's their testimony in the jail at Philippi. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to, unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And so their hearts were filled with praise. They were praising God in preparation for a successful prayer life. Secondly, uh, confess known sin. Again, a very important statement in Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if we hide unconfessed sin, by the way, we can't hide it from God. He knows. Uh, but we, we think that sometimes, you know, I'll just won't, won't deal with it, and then uh, uh, I'll be all right. But we can't hide it from God. But if we 
hide unconfessed sin in our hearts, the Lord says he will not hear us. And in order to have a successful prayer life, we need to come clean with God, confess our sins. And if we don't, then the rest of our prayer life, so to speak, is just show. God already knows every sin we've committed. We can't just kind of put up a front with him. And when we begin our time with God, we enter in his presence, acknowledge our sin, seek forgiveness, and make sure we're right with God as we approach him. Thirdly, exercise faith. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, In all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Matthew 21, 22. Now the word believe there means to put your total confidence in the Lord. God's word promises that when we pray in faith, believing, we will receive the blessing of God. And yet faith is not demanding something from God. Faith is not telling God what to do. Faith believes that God can do whatever he determines to do. And faith puts our total confidence in the power of God. And then we've often talked about praying in Jesus' name. We come to the Lord in prayer, uh, we must remember to pray in Jesus' name. Now, it's not just something we tack on at the end of our prayer. We often do that, uh, and, but we don't think about what we're doing when we do that. We just say, well, this is a way I say amen, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, you could even start at the beginning of your prayer. Lord, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know? And you're praying in his name, even if it's at the beginning or in the middle or at the end. Uh, again, here we're in John 15, but if you go back to John 14 and verse 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified uh, in the Son. Now, this is, again, as I was saying, more than just tacking on his name at the end of our prayer. Uh, we're praying in Jesus' name. We're invoking the authority of God. We're asking that his will be done. And then pray persistently. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer. Ephesians 6.18. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus taught the disciples that there were certain prayer requests that were uh, only going to be answered through importunity. That means to continually uh, press and urgently request. That's what importunity means, pressing solicitation. Uh, to abide in prayer, we're continually bombarding the throne of grace with our request. Persistent prayer is more than just coming to God once in a while. And then, again, if we go back to John chapter 15... We notice my words in you. In verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Notice the word if. There's something we must do before we can receive this promise. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus is saying, if you're preparing for a fruitful prayer life, you need to abide in me, and my words need to abide in you. And the word of God should be a guide to our prayer life. 
And the more you mature in Christ, the more you'll understand the Word of God. And the more your prayer life will be in sync with His will and His desires. Uh, for example, in Proverbs 28 and verse 9, it says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. God says, if you're not listening to my word, and you try to ask me for something, then your prayer is a mockery to me. Has ever happened to you in school? Perhaps there was a subject that you just hated or didn't, didn't care for, and maybe you didn't even like the teacher. Uh, you didn't like the lessons, and the subject just seemed boring, so you didn't listen. And then it came test time, and you began to beg God, help me, Lord, pass this test. Now, again, if you didn't study, uh, you can pray until uh, you're blue in the face. God's not going to help you remember something you never put in. And so, uh, the same way, God says, when you reject my law and my instruction, your prayer is an abomination. God desires more than just an emergency-based relationship. In Psalm 34, 7, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. God doesn't want to withhold his blessings. He says, if you delight yourself in my word, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. And so as you prepare your heart for prayer, ask yourself these questions. Am I abiding with him now? Am I acknowledging his power and his presence? Am I praising his name? Do I have uh, unconfessed sin and have I confessed my sin? Uh, do I believe he will answer this prayer? Am I praying in Jesus' name persistently? And am I staying in the word of God faithfully? Those are all good preparations for uh, your prayer, even on a daily basis. And if you can answer these questions in the affirmative, you're ready to see some fruit to your prayer life. Now, this may seem pretty basic, but uh, the second point here is the definition of prayer. <clears throat> Basically, two things. One, prayer is asking, and asking is subject to God's will. Prayer is asking God for help. And I realize we define prayer as talking to God, confessing sin, praising, adoring God, but the heart of the prayer is simply asking God to help. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So the word of God here is telling us that prayer is asking God. And the Lord blesses our, here's that word again, importunity. That's that persistence, that fact that we continually come to him with these requests. Say, well, I asked him once, that should be enough. He, he wants us to continue to ask. He's pleased when we ask for help. And that's what prayer is. It's asking. And our asking, though, is, a, is subject to the will of God. And if you're away from God, you're resisting his will. If you're dishonoring him and denying his voice, then you're likely asking for things that are really not good for you. 
God has no obligation to hear your prayer. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, Paul asked the Lord three times for healing. And in his will, the Lord did not heal the, the apostle. In fact, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Sometimes we pray for things that are not in the will of God for us. He may choose to heal or not to heal. He may choose not to remove the burden. But in those cases, he chooses to give us the special measure of his sustaining grace, his strength, to carry us through the trial. And that's why Paul was able to say there in that verse, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, most gladly will I, or therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. He said, if God's going to give me grace and be glorified in all this, I'm just going to praise him anyway. Now, you know, God's not a genie that you don't just rub a bottle and, and make a wish. That's not what God is like. Prayer is not my opportunity to tell God what to do. Faith does not bind him to my whims. Prayer is my privilege to seek his will, ask him for help in accomplishing his will. James 4, verse 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. And so sometimes we completely miss the mark in our prayer lives. Like the man who prays, God, I really need a new speedboat. And if you give me that boat, I'll only miss church two Sundays a month. God, I even have my devotions on the boat. You see, many times people like to strike a deal with God. God, you know, if you give me this, then I'll do such and such. But you cannot pray against a biblical principle and expect God to bless you. Again, James said our prayers are not answered because they're off the mark. They're out of the will of God. Listen, if you're not abiding in Christ, then most likely your prayers are focused on things that God doesn't desire for you. You're actually praying dangerously. So we've talked about the preparation for prayer, the definition of prayer, and then thirdly, the manifestation of prayer. What happens when people start praying? What happens when moms and dads and pastors and church members really pray? Well, here again in verse 7 of, of verse uh, uh, chapter 15 of John, it says, And it shall be done unto you. Well, it's an authoritative statement there. If you meet the prerequisites that Jesus has set forth, and he simply says, it shall be done unto you. And there's two things that manifest the power of prayer. The first one is God's intervention in human affairs. It's a wonderful thing to see God intervene in the lives of people. And I believe uh, we're going to see God blessing our church ministry. If we're going to do that, we need to get serious about the uh, idea of a praying church. Say, well, what if I have a conflict in my schedule? Or what if I have to work? Uh, many churches don't have Wednesday evening Bible study anymore. And they don't have a prayer time. Uh, you say, well, I pray every day or I pray at home. Yeah, we need to do that. But I believe if we're going to see God's blessing, 
we need to pray together as a church. And the prayer, the power of prayer is manifested by God's intervention in human affairs. I think of Moses, I think of Gideon, I think of Hannah. Each of those came before God, asked for help, sought his provision, sought his power. And every time, God honored their requests. He intervened in their lives with his mighty power. Then I think of William Carey, the great missionary to India, often said things uh, said this, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. He was a man who had learned how to pray and a man who believed that God would answer prayer. I'm glad I serve a God who specializes in impossible situation and mightily answers prayer. I've seen the power of God work in churches, but it's because they were praying churches and God was faithful to provide for them, maybe buildings, maybe even a, a, a school or a college. But I don't know what God has in mind for our church, but I do know we have needs. And even though, humanly speaking, it doesn't uh, come near uh, to those kinds of needs, God can meet whatever needs we have. God will bless our faith, answer our prayers, if we will abide in him and his word abides in us. So the manifestation of prayer is God's intervention in human affairs. Secondly, answers to prayer brings glory to God. And uh, when God... Blesses us, we may wonder, well, why did he do that? Why does he bless us? It's because he wants us to glorify him in return. He wants to hear us sing, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. He desires our praise and our thanks. God answers prayers so we can tell others about God's goodness. He wants us to share the victories with others. You know, telling people, you know, you, you can't believe what happened to me this week. How God answered my prayer. Uh, you can't believe uh, how much uh, what God is doing in our church. Well, that's what God wants us to do. Tell others of his goodness. Uh, but if we're not praying, if we're not uh, seeking his will in our lives, as individuals, as families, as a church, uh, we're not going to be able to share the victories and give him glory. But you know, if we're sick and we pray and God heals us, uh, and we're blessed, we're cared for, we need to tell someone, you know, God did that. And if a marriage has been spared by God's grace, we need to tell someone about that. Someone recognizes God as a blessing in your life, don't say, well, here, I did it. No, God did it. Give God the glory. An abiding Christian is a praying Christian. Prayer is what began your relationship with Christ at the moment of your salvation. And prayer is the key that begins an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Abide with Christ in prayer. Come to him moment by moment. Seek his help in every aspect of your life. And he's waiting to meet even tonight with each one of us.
Father in heaven, thank you for your uh, instructions and your emphasis on prayer throughout the scripture. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. And we do pray, Lord, that we'll be more and more a praying church and see your blessings upon individuals, upon families, upon our church as a whole. Bless our time as we come together for prayer tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.